0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Daily Remedy Podcast. Today we're here with a special guest, Dr. Arlen Myers, founder of the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, who's also Professor Emeritus, Otolaryngology at the University of Colorado College of Medicine. And with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Myers. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. You've accomplished quite a bit both in the academic and entrepreneurial sides of medicine. Can you Take us back to the beginning of your medical career and share with us what really sprouted these entrepreneurial endeavors.
1: Sure. So, um, I followed a fairly traditional medical uh, pathway. I went to college medical school, did a residency in uh, ear, nose, and throat facial plastic surgery. And then, uh, right out of my residency, I got recruited to the University of Colorado to uh, be on the faculty. Um, I stayed on the faculty and basically functioned as an academic surgeon for a pretty long time. Uh, and during that stint, uh, the short version is I, I wound up being an accidental med tech entrepreneur. Now, I, I was like every other grunt in the trenches. I was seeing patients and doing research and writing papers and publishing parish and teaching and all the other stuff. Uh, And and during that time, uh, myself and some other folks uh, essentially invented a gadget that optically detects cancer in the mouth. Engineering, I didn't know anything about computer science. All I knew was I'm a traditional straight up ENT doc seeing patients and doing the academic thing. Uh, But as things moved along, uh, we eventually developed a company. I was working with a bunch of engineers and other collaborators on this project, uh, some other people that had experience in business. And um, the long and the short of it was that uh, the outcome of that initiative, uh, while it was fun and interesting, uh, it was very, very frustrating. First of all, I was clueless i I didn't know how to do this uh all I knew was seemed to me that there was a reason why patients needed something to see what was wrong in their mouth without going through a big rigmarole and essentially, the device and the idea was to uh optically illuminate uh differentiate, and treat something in the mouth to see whether it was cancer or not without taking them to the o r and all the other things so we eventually patented it. We went through a tech transfer process. We uh, did some other things, but it, it never really got over the goal line. The intellectual property is still out there, and that's a whole other story. But it really never got over the goal line. Now, what that taught me was: one, everybody thinks every white coat, including me, has a good idea; thinks they have a good idea. Uh, two, most of them don't. I mean, it's just an idea. It's not a product. It's not a technology. It's certainly not a business. And three, even if you had a good idea that had commercial potential or some sort of value-adding potential, you wouldn't know what to do with it anyway, as as a surgeon and as a physician. um, So I just felt there was a pretty low, and that kind of annoyed me. Actually, it's more than kind of, it's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing now. And fundamentally, what I thought was that, uh, for a number of reasons, Doctors, and when I say doctors, I mean healthcare professionals, nurses, pharmacists, dentists, anybody that wants to do this, really need to understand the business of medicine and how to get an idea to a patient. So that's how I wound up doing what I'm doing now, which is essentially I teach healthcare innovation and entrepreneurship. I consult to a bunch of companies at various stages doing various things. And I'm a co founder, president, and CEO of the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs to teach people
0: what. I wish I had known when I was doing this. Thank you for that explanation. If you don't mind, I'd like to break down a few aspects of what you said that I think are critically important. One is this kind of blinded ignorance, if you will, that many in the medical community have about their lack of understanding how to commercialize a product, how to move it forward. What would you say to the typical physician who has an idea yet doesn't quite understand the proverbial doesn't know what he or she doesn't know in commercialization? What are two or three initial tips that you would provide just to get that individual moving in the right direction to learn commercialization in the proper way?
1: Um, You start off by changing your mindset. So at the very, very top, before you, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, and and uh, most people don't admit it. So you have to come down off the mountain just because you got a bunch of initials after your name and you're a, quote, smart doctor really doesn't mean very much when it comes to what I'm talking about. So while the clinical mindset is obviously important and useful, the entrepreneurial mindset, while it has some similarities, has some very distinct differences. So it's really like two overlapping circles. And most people don't have any overlapping circles. They're a doctor. That's it. And they don't know how to do the rest of it. And that's the way I was. I mean, I I was clueless. I didn't know what to do. So the nice thing is, uh, while your personality is reasonably fixed, your mindset is not. And you can change your mindset. So I tell people that when you start off with this... um, Basically the three things you are going to need and do a self assessment on are mindset, means and motivation. The mindset I just talked about, how you see the world, what how entrepreneurs think is different than how doctors think clinically. That's the mindset and each of these we can go into a lot of detail, but I'll just give you the history. exactly that. What are the resources that you will need to be successful or fail and do it again, which is more likely, uh, when you start down this road. And the means are money, uh, people, intellectual property. Uh, it could be uh, physical resources. Um, you, you might have to set up a business or you will set up a business and have certain credentials or licensure or secretary of state stuff. Uh, so those are the means. And sec- and third, you need most important and, s- and equally important is motivation. I tell people that uh, you need to make this personal, but you don't take it personally. This hmm. is a long, hard road, and you are likely to fail very often. So if you don't have the internal drive, now, I don't necessarily mean grit, because I think that's been overworked. And frankly, I don't believe it. So I th- but you have to have something inside of you that you just have to scratch, and you can't let it go until you fix it now, in my particular case, I still have it i'm I'm still driven by helping other people not make the same mistakes I did. That's what parents do. That's what professors do. That's what attendings do. That's the way I'm built. So my role in life is to do meaningful work that's fun and help some folks along the way. So I'm just trying to help people not make the same mistakes. I tell people that, you know, when I was a surgical attending, I could tell people in the operating room, don't cut that. It, I can tell you what's going to happen if you do that. Likewise, I consider myself now like an entrepreneurial attending, like if you tell me what you're going to do, I can't guarantee what's going to happen, but I did that, and here's what happened. So you might want to think about rethinking what you're going to do or do something different. So it really comes down to mindset, means, and motivation. All the rest, you can learn. All the rest, you can sort of experience. But there's certain things that you just have to have that come from the school of hard knocks or are... In, in or built into you or not. You, you may, and I tell people, there's no harm in not doing this. If this is something that you have done a self-reflective exercise, looking at the three things that I just mentioned, you going to say, you know what? I just don't think I have what it takes to do this. Then great, be a doctor, see patients. God knows we need more doctors, but don't waste other people's time and money going down this road if you don't have what it takes.
0: I love it. Lots of nuggets of wisdom in there. Again, for the listening audience, mindset means motivation. I want to circle back to something you had mentioned earlier about the overlapping circles analogy, where you talk about the clinical mind and the entrepreneurial mind and channel that for you more personally. You consider yourself an entrepreneurial attending. So you have this clinical mindset of teaching. There's a particular teaching paradigm in medicine. You see that application of teaching in the entrepreneurial mold. Can you expand on that a bit? Sure. So what I would say
1: is that there's a difference or there are differences between a, a teacher and a coach and a mentor and a sponsor and a friend and a colleague. And I sort of, in interplay with people, sort of assume all of those roles in some way, shape, or form, depending if you would put it on the case. So when someone, when I talk to someone, or I work with someone, or, you know, I kind of try to make the diagnosis first, and then treat. So I'm trying to understand what the problem is and it's it's not a hammer and a nail thing. If maybe you need this, maybe you need that, maybe you just need a pat on the back, maybe you just need some encouragement. On the other hand, maybe you really need to figure or obtain the knowledge, skills, abilities and competencies you need to do this because you don't have the education, you don't have the experience, you don't have the networks to do this and you know there's a 70 20 10 rule that that people sometimes quote and that is actually there's a lot of 70 20 10 rules but this one is when it comes to what adults learn 70% of that comes from experience 20% of that comes from the people that you know and 10% comes from the stuff you learn in school most of which you have to unlearn when you go through physician entrepreneurship so for all intents and purposes We're talking about experience and people. The rest of the stuff you can learn on the Internet. And that's really how you have to engage yourself. And this particularly applies to older physicians as they're going through career transitioning. And they're figuring out, you know, what do I want to do? And I'm a little tired of medicine and I want to make a career transition. Network, 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 network. That's how you get connected to get the experience. You don't send out resumes. You don't figure out a lot of stuff to put in. I mean, you have to clean up your LinkedIn site, but that's not how it works. It's who you know. And unfortunately, most medical professionals have very limited networks internally and externally. They're essentially linked out. Not a good idea.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit, because I think that's key to understanding the paradigm shift mentally physicians often have a siloed mindset i will do everything on my own i am in charge and i am the lone warrior and that serves physicians well in the clinical world in the entrepreneur world as you had mentioned networking is very critical what are some subtle shifts or perhaps gut checks a physician can perform on himself or herself to help change that mindset from the lone warrior the lone clinician to the networking entrepreneur,
1: well, first of all, I would disagree with your statement that the lone warrior works. It really does not work first of all, medicine is no longer a single person endeavor. I mean it's a team of doctors taking care of a patient and their team their their care community. so that model is is really evolved into something much bigger for a number of reasons, and we can talk about that um, and secondly. Having a warrior mentality is self-destructive. So entrepreneurs have it, soldiers have it, doctors have it, and it results in, I'm going to go to work even though I'm sick. I'm not going to admit that I'm depressed. I hurt somebody. I'm not going to tell anybody because it's going to hurt me down the road. I'm not going to take medicine because I don't want people to know that something's going on. It's like the people say, why would the Secretary of Defense not tell anybody that he underwent what he underwent because he's a warrior you don't you don't admit that you're sick when you're a war fighter so it it just doesn't work but that's another it, and that needs to change but that's another conversation um so from that from that standpoint uh the the overlaps have to do with basically and there're lots of them I'll just give you a couple one is uh, the, the difference between being a problem seeker and a problem solver. The, fo- the focus of medicine is problem solving, but you have to understand the patient's history, physical tests, all the stuff you go through to make a diagnosis and treat the patient. But the focus tends to be on problem solving. The, it's, it's a means toward an end. On the other hand, if you're an entrepreneur, your primary focus is problem seeking, understanding the customer, understanding their jobs, pains and gains, understanding what it is the job they want you to do, understanding the product that might solve their problem, and the biggest reason most companies fail or startups fail—they simply don't make a product that anyone wants to buy or use. And there was just a recent article about you know uh, uh, Apple's Univision their. Uh, Um, their new product, their virtual reality product. And, you know, it it may be that that's a solution looking for a problem because they're having a problem selling this thing, let alone it's like over $3,000. But everybody's sort of gadgety and it's a shiny new object and it's Apple and all that. It remains to be seen. The same could be said for artificial intelligence. And we can have that conversation. So the point is, at, at the start, if you're going to do something entrepreneurially, you need to understand the customer. You need to get in their head. There's an old saying that, you know, if you want to if you want to be understood, first understand. It's sort of the seven, you know, the things. So it's the same sort of thing. You have to understand, get in the head. It's designed thinking. And and doctors generally, I mean, they sort of do it, but they they. So the good news is another overlap is that they have a scientific method mindset. So you observe something, you create a hypothesis, you design an experiment, you run the experiment, you harvest the data, you analyze the data, and you decide, do I accept or reject the null hypothesis? That's the scientific method. You essentially do the same thing in business. You test your business idea. You figure out ways. The most simple example is you put up a website and you do A-B testing. You have one website that has a button in green, and you got another website that has a button in red. And you figure out how many more people push the button, in which color. Uh, It turns out it's red. So if you, but it's a simple example of how this works. So if you, you, but those are different mindsets. Now, the question is, okay, Arlen, how do I change my mindset? I'm going to buy in what you're saying, but I don't have a very good entrepreneur. How do I do that? There are actually lots and lots of ways to practice, and there are certain fundamental traits of the entrepreneurial mindset that you can practice. The basic one is um, uh, uh, associating. Now, what that means is, Steve Jobs put it that basically innovation is about connecting dots. So associating means you have a broad world view you're looking at what's going on in the world i'm not just talking about medicine you're looking at economics you're looking at demographic changes you're looking at generational changes you're looking at technology you're looking at everything out there and you're trying to see patterns so that you can predict what you think the next step will be um and again my experience is not, most people, let alone most doctors, don't have a wide lens view of the world. And and that's what differentiates people that are successful that aren't. And the second is they simply take more shots on goal. So the, the more shots you take, the more sc- and you're going to fail 99 times
0: out of 100. So you just keep taking shots until one of them goes in the goal. I want to ask a question that's a bit more speculative, but I think it would be important to get your feedback on. One possible difference that I'm projecting is this notion of wrongness. What does it mean to be wrong, and is it okay to be wrong? In medicine, I often find that wrongness is shunned quite heavily. It's stigmatized. And in entrepreneurship, understanding wrongness and improving upon it, iterating from it, seems to be celebrated. Would you agree that that's a critical difference? Well, first of all,
1: in medicine, obviously, we're talking about
0: people's lives. So,
1: I mean, the goal is to make as few mistakes as possible. But the reality is we make them all the time, whether it's an error in diagnosis or a technical issue in the operating room. I mean, I've made a ton. If If you're not making enough mistakes, you're not doing enough cases. It's that simple. If you don't have complications, you're just not operating enough. If you're, if you get everything right, you're not seeing enough patients. It's just the nature of the beast. Now, hopefully we can reduce that and get into this whole issue of patient safety and how do we do that and things, the risk aversion. But the reality is that's what it is in medicine. Now, in, in business, on the business side, and particularly on the startup side, um, uh, We don't do a a very good job of celebrating failures. And this has to do with failure resumes and it has to do with learning from mistakes. You know, there's that old truism in medicine that basically the most important thing is clinical judgment. Clinical judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from mistakes. It's the same thing in business. If you're not doing it enough, if you're not making the mistakes, you're simply not taking enough shots on goal. So you have to test your idea you have to learn. And the other thing is that, that there's there's the myth of grit. That's why I'm saying I didn't I think that's a myth. I, I mean, and the thing that really drives me crazy is this notion of burnout, uh, essentially gaslighting healthcare professionals, saying you're just not resilient enough. When the reality is, I don't know of any profession that's more resilient than healthcare professionals. So to tell me, Arlen. You're just burned out because you're not resilient enough. You're not mindful enough. You're not doing enough yoga. You're not eating enough yogurt. You're not even macrobiotics. I think it's ridiculous, and frankly, it's insulting. So the problem is organizational stress and systemic stress. That's what's going on in the world. It's not personal resilience. And what this gets to is if you want to beat your head against the wall trying to do this, knock yourself out but the point is you need to know when to pull the plug hmm. you need to know when to quit and i encourage people to quit but there's this myth of persistence of grit of stick with itness that is sort of this american value which i believe is a myth and it hurts people you whether it's your career whether it's a product whether it's where you're going At some point, you need to quit. You don't quit on yourself. You quit on what you're doing and you learn something and move on. Hmm. The other problem is, why don't people learn from their mistakes? Everybody makes mistakes, but some people keep making them. Why is that? Two, they don't take personal responsibility for the mistake and they blame it on the system. So you need to stop doing that. You need to just look in the mirror and say, what did I do wrong? Right. And, and what did I learn from that? And I could give you a thousand examples in my failure resume
0: of how I did that. Yes. Speaking of that, I'd like to transition and talk about the impetus of starting Society of Physician Entrepreneur, which is the right. organization through which we connected. Was that born out of impetus of learning from a certain setback or was that the accumulation of a series of multiple learnings along your entrepreneurial journey? I I just
1: didn't think that was right. I I don't like the idea that
0: the business
1: of medicine generally is delegated to business schools, not medical schools. I think that not teaching the business of medicine in medical schools is educational malpractice. I think that the point of, particularly these days, given the transition and the corporatization and the centralization and the power of the medical industrial complex, doctors, particularly medical students and residents, if they don't, I say that if you don't pay attention to the business of medicine, you have no business practicing medicine. Well, Two say. ways. One, you don't understand it because so you're going to go out of business. Two, you really shouldn't do it. So to get that into the curriculum of medical schools around the world is another thing we're trying to do. And in some respects, we're being successful. It's going to be a long road. I I really don't like the idea that uh, doctors feel they have to get an MBA to be good at quote business, which is totally untrue. It's a total, in my view, you're $260,000 in debt as a medical student. Now you're going to spend $100,000 to go to Wharton. For what? It doesn't make sense to me. So I'm trying to, I'm not saying MBA programs are worthless. Most of them are. I happen to go to, I mean, I have, you know, I went to school. In fact, I helped create the MD MBA program in Colorado with some other people. Many, many years ago. For certain individuals, it makes sense. I'm the last person in the world to say you shouldn't get more education, but there's a right time and a place to do it. And it depends on the personal cost benefit.
0: Well said. For those interested in learning more about society, physician, entrepreneur, what's the best way that they can engage and participate in that network?
1: So the society is a global nonprofit, open biomedical and clinical innovation and e- ecosystem. So open means anybody can join. You don't have to be a doctor, a surgeon. Any, I mean, it, that's the whole point. It's an open network. It's an inside-out, outside-in innovation network, service providers, investors, entrepreneurs. It's an ecosystem of people who are involved in the innovation food chain. Um, So the best way to get involved is to join. It costs $80 a year. It's pretty cheap. And uh, you go to www.soapnet.org, and you take advantage of uh, all the membership benefits that we offer. Nice.
0: And again, that's sope.net. S O P E N E T, right, one word, yeah. S O P E N E T dot org, right. For those who are maybe on the fences, let's say I'm a physician, I have this health IT startup, I have an app that connects patients with physicians who provide clinical services downstream from me as a primary care physician, and I want to introduce the idea to the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. Could you maybe guide? just the tactics of how people should present their ideas? Should they have an uploaded presentation deck, kind of right. just brainstorm ideas? Talk through right. the logistics. Uh,
1: so again, it, it depends on the diagnosis. So what? because we're an open network, all the different customer segments have different value propositions. So an investor wants one thing, an entrepreneur wants another thing, a technologist wants another thing. A doctor in practice who is thinking of migrating in a different career or they want a role as an advisor or a consultant to a startup or something like that, or if they're a founder like you're describing, they have different needs. So to use your use case, if a doctor who's a clinician, any kind of clinician or, or a nurse or whatever, and they come up with this idea of a, of a digital health app, well, it, this may simply be an idea. It may be just a, a sketch on the back of a napkin, and through the process, they may need a technologist to create a wireframe. They may need a data scientist to do some stuff with data. They may need a cybersecurity person to protect it from getting hacked. More commonly, they need uh, someone that will pilot their their uh, their solution. So Arlen can you help me get through the gatekeepers to pilot my product? That's a very typical ask. Another typical ask is Arlen. Um, are you interested in investing in my company? No. Can you help me find somebody who is? Yes. I can't do it for you, but I can tell you where to, you know, how to do this and angels and networks and all the other business. Um, or. Uh, Arlen, uh, my product didn't work. What should I do next? Or Arlen, uh, I'm a doctor and I want to be the uh, the chief medical officer for a scale-up, a scale-up company. How do I do that? How do I get in front of somebody? How do I get that side gig? How do I get the full-time career transition job? So it really depends on what the ask is. Can the, Can the society help in all of those? Yes. So it really depends on what it is you need, and that will determine how you use the ecosystem to uh, find a person that can help you. Essentially, the society is a dating service. We're a cross between Rotary and Match.com. So (laughs) it's all about finding the right person who can help you.
0: Well said. And that's what we do. Uh, And Dr. Myers, I want to thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the future. And hopefully those who are listening will join Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, find the value, and of course, share your journey of success. And as Dr. Myers had mentioned, your journey of failure, because it's all part of the startup ecosystem in medicine. With that, Dr. Myers, thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for having me.